All right, y'all. Welcome back to the Eat, Drink, Travel, y'all podcast. So excited for episode seven to have the one and only chef Sarah Hammond here from Portland. You can see her currently on Top Chef season 18, Last Chance Kitchen. I'm doing a lot of amazing things. Sarah, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Of course. My pleasure. (laughs) (laughs) well we know you're busy i think i saw you on instagram live right before this you're just you're you're just doing all the 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 fun things on social media right now showing people how to cook with tiny fish showing people how to use yogurt just uh, doing doing so much yeah you know i've been getting such a good response on my instagram videos i think I think I'm going to switch it up soon and try try a different platform because I get so many views and it's so exciting and I guess I do something people like. <laughs> well, I can see that. You have the best attitude and you're so much fun. Um, I feel like the first episode of Top Chef from this season is just like your laugh at the end of like the first episode. Like it's just like it's like ingrained in my memory. Like it's just I feel like you're so lovable and you know representing the hometown um of Portland, which we're gonna get to all the top chef tough all the top chef stuff and got some questions from some fans. But let's um let's take a minute for you to just kind of like run your culinary background for us what sparked like your interest in in cooking and i know that you you've lived and cooked abroad um and just yeah just tell us a little bit about just a little bit about you and your and your background okay well i'll start on the day i was born no (laughs) early um cool so well me little me um i I don't know. I just always loved eating. <laughs> so much. I just love food. And uh, when I was a kid, we didn't really go on vacation a whole lot. We didn't. I never grew up with a lot of money around me, but I also it was never something I noticed. You know, it was just mm-hmm. it was just my life. Um, but what we would do as a family, we would go out to dinner like once a month. But we would always go somewhere really cool, not just like Applebee's. I never really. I don't even think I've been to Applebee's. <laughs> We would go to like the local Indian restaurant or the local Mexican restaurant. And so for me, I think that early on was really um, like food was almost travel for me and learning about a new culture, which is super exciting. And I mm-hmm. love that. I still love that. Um, obviously, I worked in Spain for a little bit. <laughs> but yeah, I, I just always love eating and I love food. Uh as far as fish goes, I'm not really sure. I have very fond memories of fishing <laughs> my dad, um, minus the fact that I would get carsick every time. <laughs> I would we would drive up to the mountain, and I would get severely carsick when I was a kid. So oh, no. <laughs> if we made it without me throwing up, it was already a successful day. <laughs> the bar was set low, right? Yeah, yeah. That was just like just add that onto the list of awkward things that comprise Sarah. (laughs) Really car sick. You say awkward, I say very, very lovable. And (laughs) and you're talking about your family and you are you're this is all in California, right? You're from like is it what what California are you from? I'm from um the northern part of San Diego County. Uh so 
in a little town called Vista. Uh, <laughs> but because we were in San Diego, we're so close to Mexico. So I would go to Mexico as a kid pretty often. Um, yeah, Mexican food. Don't, I mean, San Diego's got the best. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, and, I, and I'm sure that that had a, a, a big influence on, 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 your, on your cooking and, and your, your style of food as well. Um, I mean, nothing wrong with being right next to Mexico and being no. able to have ceviche and tacos all the time. No, and there's yeah. absolutely nothing wrong with that. <laughs> so, when, so when did you realize that you, that you maybe had, uh, you know, like an actual interest in doing something in, with food as a career? I still, like, I don't even know. I feel like I'm just such a mess all the time. <laughs> um, so there was this, uh, when I, when people ask me this question, because of course people ask me this question all the time. <laughs> um, I, so I did this project when I was in high school or middle school, one of the schools. <laughs> I went to a school. I went to a charter school, so I didn't actually have a full-on middle school or even high school experience. Um, I oh sweet drinking wine, Steph. <laughs> something to drink. Damn it! I missed the memo. It is no real day. What the fuck am I doing with my life? What are you doing with your life? Go get a glass of wine. No one will stop you. No one. This is this is a this is a judgment-free zone. You know what I should do? Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna get a little bit of Avatar's whiskey since he was your get last. Get a little bit of Avatar's okay. right, Give me two seconds. I'm gonna get a little ice cube. Yes, don't it's worry. I'm yeah. in Portland right now. That sounds amazing. Okay. Yeah. So while while Sarah gets herself a little <laughs> bit of a Middle West spirits from um you know Chef's Al Chef Avatar Service Bar um in columbus ohio because we had chef avishar last week on the podcast and when we were on last week he was drinking the whiskey and i was drinking the gin that is much better right with a cocktail or actually i don't even know if it's a cocktail i think it's just straight whiskey <laughs> yeah i don't have anything i have like zero food in my i have fish sauce that's what i have <laughs> much better which is much better yes um we we thank you avishar for bringing us all yes so much alcohol when you Absolutely. were here i have so much alcohol <laughs> so much fun so we're so we are talking about um a couple weeks ago in seattle uh Avishar and Chef Byron, who are also on Top Chef, came up and cooked at an event with Chef Shoda, who is in Seattle. And then Chef Sarah came up after at the end of the event. And they all, you guys all went up to this cabin and went mushroom foraging and <laughs> had a bunch of fun just yeah. hanging out and living your best life and playing with dogs and looked like it so much fun. fun. It was super fun. And it was really nice to just hang out and not have other people around <laughs> yeah, uh, right oh my god and so like have you i mean i know that you had seen shoda and byron um at the dinner that you guys cooked a few weeks ago was that the first time that you'd seen avishar since the show wrapped up it is avishar and i spent a little bit of time together after uh the show was done filming and we went hiking, at, like near Mount St. Helens and stuff. It was very sweet. We had a little oh, yeah. time. <laughs> he's, he is, he's such a dear um, human. I obviously don't have to yeah. tell you that. Um, the day that I actually talked to him for the podcast, it was my sister's birthday. And she's like obsessed with, I mean, she's 
very into Top Chef and she just loved him. So he gave her like this little shout out and it, it made the day. (laughs) Great. He's actually one of, um, so I knew only one person when I went on the show and that was Sasha and I just knew her. I never worked with her, didn't have her phone number. We just knew each other, like acquaintances and Avishar on the other hand, we didn't know each other, but we have the most mutual friends in common because he worked at Mission Chinese Food in New York and all of those people, some, not all of those, some of those people <laughs> worked at <laughs> Chinese in San Francisco. So I knew so many of his friends too, and we got to share lots of stories about them. We didn't oh, talk nice. to them. We never talked <laughs> <laughs> And you, was. Was Sasha, she was the first person you cooked against in Last Chance Kitchen? Is that? Oh, yeah, she was. Yes, that is right. It's so long. You're, I don't know. <laughs> You're like, oh, yeah, that actually was. Yeah, that was like eight months yeah, ago. Like, yeah. You guys filmed in the fall, right? You did this like September, October-ish. So, yeah, you're, I know, like, you're, and we've talked about this. I, I've seen you. I've had the pleasure of seeing you a couple times during um, this season when it's airing. And y'all are just like. Yeah, let's see how how this episode looks. It's uh, yeah, no idea. <laughs> crazy, right? That's like got to be super surreal thing. I mean, like how how much of it when you go back and watch? Do you like do do you just say some stuff sometimes, and you're like, I don't even fucking remember saying that. Yeah, hundred percent. I so I actually have a very like it's actually creepily good memory. Like I remember. <laughs> I'll remember like the most random moments from my childhood and I'll talk to, I don't know, a family member or a friend. And it was just like, I don't know how the fuck you remember that. <laughs> Good for you. Uh, so I felt like I had remembered most of the things, maybe iffy things <laughs> that I said during interview or just on camera, but I was very wrong. <laughs> you were very wrong. The part about the pumpkin, about me turning back into a pumpkin. <laughs> no, you know, that one at all. <laughs> no, no recollection. I mean, well, I no. mean, it, it, it was a minute ago. I mean, to think like in, you know, again, I don't know how much y'all can reveal about the show, but like for, you know, the very few seconds that you're talking to the camera for an episode, you probably were filmed for hours and hours and hours. So... It's true. It's true. And not to mention the like lack of sleep. Uh, words were just coming out of my mouth at a certain point and I couldn't stop them. And I was like, man, you know, I really thought that the opposite was going to happen. The cameras were going to go on. Sarah was going to revert to her shy, introverted self. Oh, there's lots of people around. Don't worry about it. Just shut your mouth, Sarah. But actually the opposite happened and words just kept coming out. And I was like, having this out-of-body experience, looking at myself, telling myself to shut the F up. <laughs> no, but that, that's that's amazing. And I just, I feel like people related to you so well. And you were, you're just like very lovable. Like, um, Thank you. <laughs> and it's so cool to have an experience like that where you can kind of explore a different part of yourself. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, like, yeah, this would bring out this side of me. Like how, how, how amazing. And I feel like you definitely see you on the show, like open up and blossom. And, um, it was definitely a special season too, which I know 
it was it was really special for all you guys. But I want to talk a little bit more about Top Chef, but I want to talk about your time at cooking in Spain and the impact that it had on you. Can you just tell us a little bit about that time in your life and set us up what led you to 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 going there? Absolutely. Okay, so We'll backtrack a little bit because I I would go to Spain a lot when I was in high school, actually. My parents separated a little bit later. I was a freshman in high school. And it was at the time where chat like dating chat rooms, you know, like Yeah. <laughs> SL, you know, like that sort of thing. Um, I think my dad was using like AOL Messenger or something, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, so he had done some online dating. (laughs) Of course, he randomly met a British lady who lived in the south of Spain. So we, he would go like once a year over there. She would come once a year out here, but they had this very long distance relationship. And when I graduated from high school, my dad was going to retire and then move to Spain, but the south of Spain. So I also went to Spain at the end of high school, despite good grades and despite um, some pre-acceptance into UCs. I just said, screw it. I'm going to go hang out with my dad. And so I was in Spain for a year uh, after high school. I literally did nothing with myself. I did nothing with my life. I just was like the laziest <laughs> asshole out there. <laughs> but Spain. I mean, that's amazing though. I it was. That. It was great. And again, it's, I think that was kind of when I really fell in love with like hospitality um, and the experience of dining, not just good food, because for me, good food, good food is delicious. It's amazing. But good food can be food that you're like eating over your sink. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, you that that's like a given. And so for me, when I go out to eat, it really is the whole experience that I'm looking for. So if the food isn't exactly on point, but the service is there and the atmosphere is there and you know your company is good, then I feel like the food just tastes better. And that was kind of what I learned while I was in Spain. And that was what got me really, really excited to come back and go to culinary school until I started culinary school. And then I was like, oh, yeah, this is school. I forgot. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And you said you you were in the southern part of Spain with your dad? I was. I was in the south of Spain in Andalusia. And we lived in a very tiny town called Coim. And of course, I just like stuck out like a sore thumb. <laughs> this little old me being super shy. <laughs> on the streets, getting my bread every day. <laughs> oh my gosh! But what? And, and you're like 18, 19 years old. I mean, what a what an incredible experience! And Spain is such a special place, and things are just like so fresh. And you're on the ocean, and I. Yeah. We were, so I was a little bit in the mountains when I was there. Spain's actually like a really rugged terrain. Uh, When you fly over Spain, it kind of almost looks like the hills of Northern California. It's so brown and it's, it's a really hard country. Um, It's, it's just like, there's rugged people that live there. There's people that live there too in Madrid and in the bigger cities, but it is very rugged land. And I think with that, you get this culture that's kind of very direct and in your face and rugged as well, which I think is why I like it. (laughs) 
No, it's it's a it's a super special place, and uh, I I've been to Barcelona, which I love, and I just love being able to get like a cone of like uh, meat basically and walk around with it and and eat that for like you know three dollars or what or, or whatever it is. Uh, San Sebastian is on like the top of my list as far as like places that I want to go. And then correct me if I'm wrong, but did you did you come back to Spain and do another cooking? Yeah. So, uh, a very long time ago, in fact, eight years ago this year, which is fucking crazy to think about. <laughs> very old. So, eight years ago this year this is when I was last in Spain and I was in the Basque region. I was working at a restaurant called Echabari, which is known for all of their delicious grilled things. And people always ask how I ended up there. And quite honestly, I just really needed to like go somewhere and travel. I had always wanted to work abroad. So I went on that San Pellegrino 50 best list and I emailed every single restaurant that interested me. Wow. Waited for the first one to get back to me with like having housing for stages or whatever. And, uh, Echabari was the first one to get back to me and of coincidentally was my first pick. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, that it was great. Cool. It was definitely, um, I was so, uh, obviously I was very nervous on my first day. <laughs> yeah, of course. And so, wait, uh, so how, how old are you at this point? Um, I was 20, 26, 25. I think I was 25 when I got there and I turned 26 when I was there. Um, so it was so crazy. Like the whole thing was just funny. Um, in a way, like my interaction, my, I was actually emailing with Victor, who's the chef and owner of Echabari <laughs> about the stage. Like I didn't, there was no admin person. I was actually emailing Victor. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. And, uh, it was, it was just, it was a wild trip. I mean, I, it took me like three buses to even get there on my first day and a little jet lagged. And I have my entire life in my suitcase because when I left, I thought, okay, I'm going to leave my books with a friend and then maybe I won't come back. I don't know. <laughs> That's how I left. <laughs> Amazing. Okay. So, and so how long are you over there? How, you come, you come over. Yeah. So I was there for six months, um, okay. basically one season. I 100% wanted to stay. I had a bit of a family emergency. I had to come back for it, unfortunately. Um, but it was okay. <laughs> Everything. <laughs> it must have been okay. And so and so yeah. So and it was it's, it was in San Sebastian. Mm -mm. So it's actually about uh, about an hour to an hour and a half from San Sebastian on a okay. car. It's uh, you fly into Bilbao. And then you have to take, like I said, three different buses <laughs> to get to Echabari. Uh, but I stayed, it's in a little town called Ashbe. Okay. Ashbe, okay. And it's in this valley. And there's a massive mountain, and the peak is called Amboto. And it's just breathtaking and stunning and beautiful and all the, everything you can possibly imagine. And I'm so nervous my first like night when I get to Spain and I am in my room and every fucking hour, the church bell rings, like every <laughs> hour, throughout the night, the church bell rings on the hour 
every hour. And if you're a very manic person like I am, all you're doing is realizing what time it is and that you're not sleeping and how tired you're going to be in the morning. (laughs) That's me. That's me. And so like that every, every hour for every day that you're there. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So I get there and then I'm again, just so nervous. Like, I don't know, did I need to bring an apron? Like, ah, you know, all these questions in my head. Cause Victor, again, I was just communicating with Victor and I'm like, so what do I need to bring? And he was like, see ya. See ya. <laughs> Great. <laughs> um, so I get there and literally on my first day, they hand me the phone and they say, here, they're talking in English. Can you deal with this? And I was like, all right, right sure. They hand me the phone and their big reservation book that they still do by hand in pencil. <laughs> and I had to do reservations in English for the whole time I was there. <laughs> so I kind of realized that it was a bit more casual and I was very stoked that I chose the right place to go to because the whole like super Michelin, three-star, wearing a chef coat every day. We didn't have to wear chef coats. We just wore (laughs) t-shirts. Yeah, I was pretty stoked that it was, it was the right fit for my personality. Yeah, it was. And then, and so then you're, you're there and then, and then you came back and you came back to California because I know you, you moved uh, to Portland, what, two, three years ago? Yeah. So I came back, my, my dad got really, really sick. Um, while I was in Spain. So I was kind of, I was in Spain and I went to San Sebastian a couple times, but we worked six days a week when we were at Jabari. Um, and then of course, like Sundays was our, Sundays was our Friday. Yes. You know, you have to celebrate a little bit. (laughs) Absolutely. You're in Spain. You're in the Basque region. Potentially on Mondays, I may have been at a point where the, most walking I could do was down to the corner store to get a bottle of wine and a baguette and some cream cheese and some tinned fish and eat it in my bed. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds pretty awesome to me. I I was a couple times because of that, but um, yeah, I was dealing with some stuff with my dad. And so I had to come back to California. I actually went back to San Diego for a few months to, to kind of like be with him and, and take care of all those things I need to take care of and, you know, real life stuff. <laughs> yeah. 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 Family. Yes. For sure. For sure. I was a little, a little lost. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I really didn't want to go back to San Francisco. I wanted to go to a different city. I wanted to go to Chicago, probably because my dad's from Illinois. So I wanted to like try on a new city, but San Francisco was just easy. It was just easy. I already had a job there if I needed it. So I wiggled my way back up the coast to San Francisco and just started working hard again. I was in, you know, I maybe was in a little bit of debt after Spain and dealing with my dad's final arrangements and stuff like that. So I was trying to like just work and keep my head down. Um, And that's, that's kind of when I started getting awards and acknowledgements, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then how long was I? I think I was like in SF for five years after I came back and then, mm-hmm. and then finally made my way even more up the coast to Oregon. 
I'm just moving slowly up the coast. You're, just, <laughs> you're gonna make it to Seattle eventually. We'll we'll see you there. We'll see. Seattle. I'll spend a few years in Seattle and then I'll make my way back up to Alaska. <laughs> I need Canada later. <laughs> <laughs> and and so you've been in Portland now for for three ish years, the Portland area, and um and yeah, and so and and now um the executive chef at at Soder Vineyards, I am um, yes, and curating all the food experiences that go um with the winery there, which um is it's the Willamette Valley, right? Yes, it's the Willamette Valley. Um, specifically if you want to get wine nerdy um it's in the ava called yan hill carlton um it's great uh for me when i moved up to portland i again started working in a restaurant as a chef and i really expressed to the owner that i wanted i wanted more out of my job i didn't just want to be in the kitchen i wanted to start working on mentoring people and and really like that, that aspect of being a chef, because I had worked in such small restaurants before that I just cooking the whole time, you know, and it's almost a one man show at that point. And so I was like, man, I really just want to learn the operations of a restaurant and kind of get a footing in a new city. But that just wasn't working out. And again, Portland's just Portland's much smaller than San Francisco. And a lot of times, unless you're really, really lucky, if you're a chef of a restaurant, you're just kind of stuck behind the, the behind the stove. And, you know, it's not that I don't love cooking. I do love cooking, but I just wanted to work with food in a different capacity and not only work with food in a different capacity, but work with people in a different capacity. Because what I realize sometimes I get a little cranky. <laughs> Having to be working and then I've got to like entertain as well. So it was just a lot to be cooking on the line, making sure the cooks are doing what they're doing and also having to have that very extroverted personality and be 110% energy all the time for a chef's counter. Uh, so I started looking for maybe some different ways that I could still cook, but do something a little different, which is how I found my job at the vineyard, which is amazing because I do have, I have kind of a whole list of things I get to do that changes my job up. So before all of the pandemic madness, we would throw very large parties. Um, so I would have sort of this like catering high volume situation that I would have to do four to five times a year. And then I have the very, the higher end food and wine pairings that I do. And then I have more like a cafe style menu for the members that come in and just get bottle service, not to mention there's a whole farm there. So during the summer, it's about logistics and how to preserve the farm for the entire winter. So we'll sell retail items like jams and tomato sauce, but then we also do jam and tomato sauce for us to use too throughout the winter. So that you've got a lot of different things you can do. And they're very supportive of like, you know, they love, they knew from the get go because of course I am just me. And so I told them about my tiny fish love, <laughs> I think literally during my interview and you know, it's, it's, it's a very supportive environment where they want, their employees to thrive, you know, so it's a great, 
it's great. It's a great place. Oh, that's and that's uh, that's what that's actually about like what forty five minutes outside of Portland, an hour. Um, on a good day for me, <laughs> <laughs> it's about fifty five minutes. Uh, it is a little bit of a drive. I have I have no. I've always loved um, the commute and driving. I will say, as I've gotten busier in my normal life. <laughs> in traffic becomes a little bit more infuriating yeah what 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 just getting a little busy sarah just some things just a little busy <laughs> a, a few yeah. things going on and and, and speaking of that and now i also feel like we've kind of gotten to like the story <laughs> of like where you are now um i'm thinking it may be a good time to to pull up some of these questions and you're gonna oh, have yeah. to with these. Um, we won't have time to do them all uh but we're gonna we're gonna ask a few so okay so i put on instagram that we were gonna be talking to sarah today and let you guys ask some questions um let's let's dive right in here the first one which i think is perfect is uh and and you don't have to say if you don't want to but people want to know what is your favorite brand of yogurt ah. <laughs> So I'm not going to spoil this because like I said, I am working on uh, developing some like more video content for everyone. Yes. And you're leaning in real hard on my first episode. <laughs> yeah, we want to step on your toes. I feel like in your future, there might be a yogurt blind tasting so that we can actually without any bias, determine what my favorite yogurt brand actually wow. is. I feel like that needs to happen. Um, it's actually <laughs> already be in the works, but just so we know, I think I think we can all agree that we need, <laughs> we need to get there to, 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 to solve this debate. So, um, all right, so stay tuned. We're, we're not gonna go in any more, any more depth on that one. Um, Oh, this, oh, wow. This is, this is a great one. Did you have a favorite childhood meal that still sparks nostalgic memories? Wow. What a great question. Absolutely. I don't think, I know I told this during interview on the show, but I don't think they actually aired it. Um, so when I was a kid, my mom, my mom had her like, roundabout meals she would make lots of crock pot stuff both my parents <laughs> worked full time so my mom was never like the mom who was in the kitchen all the time it was very much quick meals <laughs> uh she would get adventurous love her love the adventurous <laughs> spirit um she cooked rabbit one time very dry very very dry <laughs> So as a child, I was like, I don't like rabbit. Don't like it. Tastes like roast chicken. Not into it. Uh, <laughs> and then we had gone on a little road trip. Yes, I did throw up. I made it to about Utah and I threw up. <laughs> not the first time I threw up that trip. <laughs> My brother was not pleased. <laughs> um, that's for another podcast. Yeah, that's, for the, that's for the next one. We'll, we'll, have to, we'll have to do a part two, you guys. I'll tell you about all the states I've thrown up in. Don't worry. 
<laughs> or the strange places I've thrown up. <laughs> that might be a podcast all in itself, Sarah. Just like a whole <laughs> podcast right there. I, I have like low blood sugar too. So sometimes I just like wake up in the morning and don't feel good. And then like, this guy will be walking down the sidewalk and be like, oh no, I think I'm going to throw up right now. <laughs> just like mm-hmm. throw up in the bushes. Feel better. Great. Go on <laughs> <laughs> the life of Chef Sarah. The life of Chef Sarah. Y'all. Lots of lots of vomiting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. What were we talking about again? <laughs> oh, yeah, so we, um, we go to Illinois, and my grandma. My grandma is the, the cook of the family. She definitely spent her time in the kitchen when my dad was growing up. And my grandma told me she was going to cook rabbit. So I, of course, was like, mm-mm. I don't like rabbit. <laughs> She's like, okay, well, I'm making rabbit for dinner, so you can have like mashed potatoes that I'm also gonna make for dinner, but <laughs> I'm making rabbit. But she took the rabbit and she put it like just so simple, very grandma. She <laughs> put it into a glass Pyrex dish, the whole thing, not cut up, just the whole thing. She emptied like two or three cans of Campbell's uh, cream and mushroom soup on top. Like, rinsed the cans out with water, popped it on there, covered it with foil, stuck it in the oven for, like, 45 minutes, and it was the most delicious thing I've ever eaten. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Up until that point in my life, it was, like, the most delicious thing I had ever eaten, and it just sticks out in my brain. I have this, like, have a little bit of an addictive personality, so when I really like something, I'm, like, obsessed, and I was just obsessed with this rabbit, and I've done variations of it, but it really it really is just as easy as going to the store, buying a rabbit, buying some cream mushroom soup, and boom. What? That's amazing. <laughs> and now and now we've had this smelt in the rabbit dish, too. Oh, yes. That's right. <laughs> so we all like drew knives and I I got rabbit and I was like ha ha suckers (laughs) I'm gonna make this great I got a great story oh man I am ready for you Top Chef okay I've got you here Um, I I I was full on like ready to bust out a dish with like I think honestly, when I pulled the rabbit, I was gonna make. I was like, "Cool!" So I'm gonna braise my rabbit. I'm gonna make some gnocchis. It's gonna be fucking delicious. We're gonna have like <laughs> rabbit panzer gnocchis. It's gonna be so good. And then it was like surf and turf. All right. <laughs> <laughs> you guys pulled it obviously, and then I think like I I can't even I, I can't remember what show to say, but I think y'all sold like 200 Team Tiny Fish T-shirts. Like people. People were going to the team Tiny Fish. I'm still getting like Instagram messages with people. Just today I got one and someone had made some food and they hashtag Team Tiny Fish, which was That's amazing. That's amazing. Okay, wait a second. And now I've I've gotten away. I okay. More, okay. I knew it was gonna happen. That's why I needed water and whiskey. <laughs> exactly. You need water water and whiskey. Um okay, here's a good one for you. Um, if you were going to open a cannery, what type of fish would you like to tin? Mm, that's a good one. That's a good one. So, I, because I am me, and because I just really love making my life extra difficult, <laughs> <laughs> I 
would only want to tin not salmon and not tuna. So anything that's not salmon and not tuna, okay. uh, that's what I want to tin. <laughs> because okay. we have enough salmon on the shelves. We have enough tuna on the shelves. You know what we don't have enough of? We don't have enough rockfish. We don't have enough cod. We don't have enough sardines. Domestic. Yeah, well, I mean, what are those? What speaks to you, Chef Sarah? What are some of your favorite of the tiny fishes? Tiny. I mean, I'm. I love anchovies the most. I love anchovies the most. Um, but sardines and mackerel are probably pretty close second. I mean, sardine is basically just a very large anchovy. If we if we get down to it, basically, if you get down to it, sardine's just a this is an evergreen anchovy. Um, I mean, there's something about, like, the oil content of small fish, and when you put it on the grill, too, it just has this incredible flavor that happens. And I know, I get it, like, some people call it fishy, but I like that fishy flavor. I feel like more people should like that fishy. And honestly, if you use fresh fish, it's really not that fishy. (laughs) (laughs) Do you actually, do you fish a lot yourself? Um... You know, I like lazy fishing. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> lazy fishing is when you have a chair, maybe a dock to sit on, and you like throw your your line out, and then you like chill for a little bit. <laughs> I mean that that's like the I kind of fishing that I like to do too. That sounds like, amazing. It's a little intense for me. Fishing to me just me because when I went fishing with my dad, that's what we did. We did lazy fishing. He would get so mad. Oh my god, I'm such a clumsy person. He got so mad at me once. I would always like booger up the the line, of course, as a kid. But he he had bought me this fishing pole that was my own, and I remember it. And it was the first time we took it out. And I went to cast it, and I threw the entire thing in the lake. <laughs> oh, but no. He was oh. so upset with me because he, of course, I mean, I was a child. Just, I, just, I, I can see it. I know what you're doing. Like, you are, but he had to go into the lake to get it, and he was not pleased. <laughs> he recovered it, though. Yes, no, it was recovered, and it was a neon green fishing pole. <laughs> oh, my God. Very strange memory. That's what I remember. It was neon green. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. The fishing pole was was recovered, you guys. It was recovered. Just wanting, I just want to put the mental image in everyone's brain, the color <laughs> of the fishing pole, me being a small, awkward child, very shy. Even if I'm with my dad, I would like say like 10 words. <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually, I have a memory of fishing with my dad when I was maybe like five or six and I dropped a fishing pole overboard as well. Um, it was not recovered. No. So I have, like my dad just like wasn't paying attention and then all of a sudden I just, <laughs> You know, I was like five, you know, it was, it was fine. We were like bass fishing in Alabama. It was great. It's a great memory, but yeah. 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 Dad's <laughs> recovering fishing poles. <laughs> um, okay. We've got, I'm going to, okay. we got a couple more. Let's see. Uh, someone from Seattle wants to tell us about those amazing tattoos. Any oh. 
stories, anything that we can you can share with us about about the tats? Um, so I don't have like a specific shop that I go to. I usually follow artists as opposed to following shops. Um, so I only have a few artists that I use for the most part. Cool. I, fun fact: <laughs> have not been tattooed since I moved to Oregon. Have been tattooed in Oregon, just haven't been tattooed since I've moved to Oregon. Okay. Um, so I'm really slacking on that front. But again, it's a time commitment. We just had a pandemic. I'm going to be real honest with you. That shit is expensive. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How, many, uh, how many do you have, Sarah? What do I have? So the very first tattoo I ever got, I think I was like 15 or 16. And I was in Spain. And my dad let me get a tattoo on my foot. So I got a butterfly, of course. I got a butterfly on my foot. Amazing. Um, that's what started it. And then I just got a whole bunch more. Um, you know, there might be a little bit of a theme. I just really like Asian art. <laughs> so, I have a lot of fun masks and like, good luck charms and stuff like that. Uh, the only one that's really meaningful, I should say, none of my tattoos necessarily have any sort of heartfelt meaning to me. I just got them because I really liked what the artist did or um, it because I do consider tattoo art an actual art, I often just go with maybe some sort of an idea, not even an idea, and I just let them do whatever they want. Um, and my skin of course, is a little bit pale and just absorbs all that. <laughs> I can't go away with the color because they're just like, no, I have to put color on you, um, which just takes longer and it's a little bit more painful. But um, what do I have? I have some flowers. I have a really cool, um, like, dude in my armpit. It's like a Balinese mask. Um, Amazing. I've got, I also just love pain, I think. So I try to mask in possible spots. AKA armpit. <laughs> I've got, let's see, I've got a snake. I've got a Hanya mask. I've got a Buddha on my elbow. So when I stretch my elbow out, it's fat. And then when I. We're badass. Like I. We're <laughs> badass. I like, I want like a little tattoo of just like an avocado. And I'm like scared of the, I'm just, I'm, I'm a baby. I'm, I'm, I'm. Yes. I mean, the worst one I ever got was on my kneecap. I have a, so everyone knows. Everyone's going to know now. I have a sumo wrestler on my kneecap. <laughs> what? Oh, yeah. my God. This is amazing, everyone. Right, I, will, I will have to share this video. This is <laughs> what? So when okay. I super painful. when I retract it, it's skinny. So it's fat sumo and a skinny sumo. Oh, my God. This is amazing. This is amazing. Wow. Okay, so when did you get that? Oh, gosh. I don't know. Six, seven years ago. <laughs> what was the inspiration? You just... I thought it was funny. <laughs> I mean, it was pretty funny. It's pretty amazing. That's that's fucking awesome. I yeah, I've got love a it. Wrestler. I've got a lucky panda. Here. I'm just going to, like, you know. Yeah, do it, everyone. I've got a uh, Oh, shit. What? I have a tenuk oh, I don't know. Oh, my you're... gosh. The Chev Sarah Tattoo Show right here happening. Dude, I didn't realize you had so many. You have got some. I do. I have some I have a lot. It's basically just one side, and I didn't really 
I, people are always like, oh, you only get tattooed on one side. And I'm like, I, I think I just like to finish projects before I start a new one. <laughs> oh, I, I <laughs> get that. Okay. And so what? And so the first one, 15 in Spain, your dad let you get like, what a great, like, yeah. and then when, when is the last, what's the, the, the last tattoo you've gotten? What's been the most recent one? I think, um, ooh, I don't, I will not die on this podcast. I <laughs> I got a little peace sign. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. Yeah. I got a little peace sign. Um, I do have a portrait of my dad. Um, oh, that I got after that's the only that's the only one that has like sentimental meaning. I realized this is a very strange spot because every time I pee, I'm like, oh hey, what's up, Dad? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> So sweet, though, actually. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. I love it. I love it. Um, okay, let's let us let us see. Let's get in maybe one. You don't have to answer this either if you don't want to say favorites. But let's, let's oh, I'm go. Here all day. I'm here all day. What's your favorite tinned fish product or brand? Maybe mm. just any of your really favorite, like... Give us, like, if we're going to go pick up some tin fish for a little Spanish charcuterie little sea spread, like, what are we looking for, Sarah? Tell us. So, there's a lot, there's a lot of cool canneries um, that are being passed down uh, to younger people in the family uh, that are doing some pretty cool stuff. So, you can find some really awesome tin fish these days. But my personal favorite is just straight up sardines with like garlic, garlic olive oil. Yum. Just go to the corner store in Spain and get whatever's on the shelf. <laughs> they have some great stuff there. They have got like, um, they'll have like, you know, sardines and olive oil and then sardines and tomato sauce and sardines and green sauce. And so it's, it's really, um, it's really fun there. I actually just, I did this little private dinner the other night and the uh, one of the people that was hosting had these amazing tins from Portugal. And she was like, here, if you, if you need more snacks, like use these tin fish that she brought over from Portugal. And the tins are just lovely. It's like a carnival on the tin with the way that they did the art on it. And I really mm -hmm. want to do something that's super eye catching like that. It's mm -hmm. just hard here because we don't necessarily have the culture to, people don't want to spend $15 on a tin of fish, but mm -hmm. there's a lot that goes into it and it's very delicious. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, you know, you said so. So when you're eating like sardines at home, are you just eating them like straight out of the tin? Are you putting them on bread? Are you putting them on crackers? Like how is Chef Sarah eating them? So I pretty consistently always have saltine crackers in my cupboard. I love saltine crackers. I don't know what it is. I think I just always had them in my cupboard as a child. So saltine crackers are very comforting for me. No, saltines, and I pretty much always have cupies. So no, yes, oh my god, sardine situation that usually happens. <laughs> That's amazing, and like cupy and sriracha also is like the most amazing thing in the world. Um, that's it's so funny about the saltines, though. My 
dad, uh, his his dad, my grandfather was in the Navy, so they were always like grew up on the water. And so one of the things that my grandfather would always cook for my dad and his brothers and sisters was that he would do the shrimp boil and he would boil basically just a bunch of shrimp with like salt, pepper, like celery, like bay leaf, like very basic. And then you pour it all out and then you mix up horseradish, mayonnaise and ketchup was like the sauce with saltine crackers and you just saltine shrimp sauce. Oh my God. It's like the best thing in the world. <laughs> yeah. Saltines are surprisingly good. You should try them if you have, because I, I guarantee you so many people are like, I haven't had saltines I, since I was a kid or you when you're not feeling well, I eat them all the time. Yeah, no, that's a, no, that's amazing. We definitely have some in our in our cabinet here. Um, no, yeah. I'm now thinking that maybe I always have sardines because of that issue with like throwing up all the time. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. The, the, like, okay, I gotta have <laughs> Um, well, Shamsara, thank you so much for being here. Before we uh, before we sign off, let's let's take a couple minutes. You've got some cool stuff coming up, and I think most of it is pretty much sold out already. So yeah. I hate, <laughs> I hate, I'm sorry to give a plug, you guys. The stuff you can't go to. I know you have something coming up with Chef Maria. Um, when, when is that? That's in so I'm leaving on Thursday for Tucson, and that dinner is on Saturday. It's also my mom's birthday. My mom's birthday on Thursday, so I thought I would, you know, kill two birds with one stone, do a dinner, hang out with my mom. It's her birthday. Oh, she's yeah. going to be there? That's amazing. Yeah, it's going to be great. Oh. And, and, and uh, the dinner is sold out, right? There are the no dinner, more. That dinner sold out in like two hours. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's you know the the top chef life. So so she's doing that. And again, sorry guys, you you can't come. But um, and then uh, on June nineteenth, I know you're coming up to Seattle. I'm so excited yeah. to join five of the other uh, contestants from this season, uh, Shoda, uh, Sasha, Brittany Anderson, uh, Roscoe, and did I get everyone? Gabe. No, Gabe. I'm sorry. I'm such an asshole. Sorry, Gabe. We did not, <laughs> we didn't forget you. Um, and I don't know if it's sold out yet, but I've been, out now. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say it was almost sold out. Um, <laughs> Within 24 hours, I haven't checked back, but uh, so again, sorry you guys, that's not <laughs> something else, anything else that you can come to. Uh, Chef Sarah, is there any way, anything else you're you're doing, anything else that you want to mention to the the massive people that are listening to the podcast out there? We've got so many people here oh listening. Oh my god, how many people listen to this? Oh, you know, I don't know. I think. We're- <laughs> I think we're up to a thousand. We're, oh, we're okay. getting there. <laughs> that doesn't make me feel If you really want to roll something out to the masses, this is your chance right here. Um, I don't know. Stay tuned for some tiny fish updates. I'm keeping my fingers crossed because, man, this is a really hard thing to start. But I'm trying my hardest, and that's all that matters. And I'm trying to capitalize on this moment that I have. Yes, and we're all loving you. And for those of you, I'm assuming everyone listening is watching, but you are <laughs> killing it on Last Chance Kitchen right now um, with your uh, what? Wait, what did you do against Chris? It was a. Uh, it was a. Uh, I did beef braised turnips. 
all yes all vegetables yes umami like deliciousness um she's she's slaying over there you guys can watch it on on bravo online you can watch it on the bravo app i have all the top chef information um it is it is very easy you can go see and i'm sorry but chef sarah won at last chance kitchen this week so um sorry for the spoiler alert but if you're listening i expect you guys to be keeping up with what's going on right that's just yeah i mean yeah if you're gonna follow anyone any of the contestants during the actual airing of the season just be prepared for spoilers right yeah exactly i know these people are giving like shit for like spoilers it's like no that's just i'm not you know i i really do try hard not to give spoilers but i think just gotta understand we went through a lot of trauma and no it's like have an outlet and we need to express our uh, like emotions about it so we can have that support and feel a little bit better because i'm gonna be honest with you when you get told to pack your knives and go (laughs) you feel like you just messed up and you're the worst chef in the world and like you really effed up super hard and you no, no, we love you. Find a different job. <laughs> I know. So well and okay, and on that note, giving us a little bit of insight, like what can you tell us about like the last chance kitchen experience? We know you're who knows who you'll be up against yeah. this week. Like, is that just like crazy pressure or is it like a little bit of relief because like some of the pressure's off like what does it feel like being in that situation i think for me it was more of just like i have nothing else to lose so i'm just gonna have fun and cook whatever i want to cook and how i want to cook it and if tom doesn't like it then i honestly don't care because you already eliminated me so <laughs> <laughs> It's not going to do, and I'm going to be happy about it. <laughs> well, well, and I mean, this last one with the BMW race and cars, it was... That one was so wild. Avishar was timing it. I know. Avishar was like, just letting you guys know. This is where we are. This is where we are. I'm doing the math. Like, we're we're okay. Like, yeah, there was a moment where I was like, I don't know if my turnips are actually going to be cooked. Don't know. Well, I think everyone loved them, and now I like. I'm thinking about it, and now I want turnips. But I am having shrimp for dinner after this, so that will not be so bad. Love it. Yeah. I mean, little did people know when I said turn up the beat in Restaurant Wars. I actually meant it. Stop. Meant it. Stop, you guys. Okay. Um, here she is doing stand-up. Um, Sarah, um, thank you so much for being on the podcast. What a delight. Um, such a treat watching you every week, seeing you on Last Chance Kitchen. I fully expect you to come back, win the whole thing. I think we all do. Um, thank you so much for being on course thanks for having me it was fun i'm glad that you all know how hilarious i am now (laughs) (laughs) yes and now we all know all right you guys thanks so much for listening and we will see you next week on the podcast